everybody and welcome to a new episode of Evie's Korean Drama Podcast Show. My name is Evie, I'm your host, and I am a K-drama obsessive. So this is the show where I waffle on about all of the K-drama that I love. If you'd like to support the show, you can check out my Patreon at patreon.com forward slash Evie Korean Drama Podcast. There you will find extra podcast episodes and updates on what I'm watching at the moment. Also, just before I get started, please be warned that I do swear a little bit on this show when I get excited. And when I'm talking about K-drama, I always get excited. Alright, so I thank you very, very much for listening and let's get on with the K-drama show. The drama that I have chosen to speak about today is one that I am really quite fascinated by. I think this show really, really surprised me. So the drama is called One More Time. It is an eight episode. So each episode is only 30 minutes. So it's a mini drama for sure. Um, So it's a very short, fast watch, basically just a long, really long movie. (laughs) Um, So yeah, only eight episodes, 30 minutes per episode. Um, It's on Netflix. I think maybe they had something to do with making it. I'm not really sure. So the show is from 2016. So the reason that I decided to watch one more time and give it a go was, I mean, I've seen it on, you know, advertised on Netflix a lot. It's been on my to watch list for, you know, ages, Um, but I just kind of never got around to it or got started. There always seemed to be more important things to watch. Um, So it was kind of there in the background, but very, very recently, um, someone who listens to this podcast, Jamie, who um, is also very kind and supports me on Patreon. um, Thank you, Jamie. So she actually... uh, mentioned this show to me and said that, you know, she suggested that I should give it a go. Um, and I, I really, really like this show. I think it's like, I think it must be a bit of a hidden gem or something. I feel like it just utterly surprised me. I feel it very much so starts out a certain way. And if I'm honest, I wasn't sure if I was connecting with it, if it was clicking with me at the start. Um, And this is one of the reasons why I'm so glad that it was a suggestion, because I feel like because, you know, Jamie said that she found us so interesting. Um, it kind of pushed me to keep going when maybe if I just watch it on my own accord, I might've dropped it after only half an hour or something like that. But I was like, no, no, I want to, I want to see where this is going to go. And then I am just so fucking glad that I did because it is, it's really different. I think to how it sets itself up. Um, I feel like in a way it kind of starts a bit, I mean, not silly, but just a bit haphazard, a little bit incoherent, a little bit like it's got an idea and concept, but not necessarily a story to tell around that. And that is wrong. Like it has a story to tell and it is a clever story. It has a point. It has themes. It was surprisingly so emotionally engaging to me. Um, I'm really, really kind of excited about this show, I guess. And I think the writing, it's like at first you think it's nothing special. And then I think by the time 
you get halfway through the show, it absolutely flips what you know to be the setup and what you know to, that the show is about completely on its head. And it turns out it's completely different to what you expect. And every loose end is tied up in such a satisfying way that you can tell this story has been very well thought out and very, I think, cleverly written. So I guess that's my general overview feelings about the show. Um, I should also just mention that it looks gorgeous. Like it's filmed really well. It's really aesthetically pleasing. Um, I don't know, lots of like low light shots and lots of just like, I don't know, that kind of shaky camera work that makes you feel like really close to the characters. A lot of like really mad close-ups of people's faces and their eyes and, you know, just like their hands and different stuff as they're, I don't know, it feels very emotional. You just get very close in with everything and with what the characters are feeling. And I think um, that it's also just beautiful to look at. Like a lot of the shots could be, you know, stills on like Pinterest or something like they look good. They look gorgeous. Um, Yeah, it's just really nice, like silhouettes of people against cityscapes and walking down dark, but beautiful, like old alleyways in Seoul and things like that. So, yeah, it's very gorgeous to look at, um, which I really, really appreciate. I think that's so nice. Um, So I guess I'll also mention the actors in this because I think they're both really good. Uh, So this drama is kind of a really interesting setup. So there's, you know, a male lead and a female lead. Um, Realistically, the first four episodes belong to the male lead. And I thought the female lead, and this was again, another thing why I wasn't connecting with it hugely at the very start, because I feel like at the first um, half of the drama, the female lead is like very under characterized. There's not a lot of screen time for her. She's almost just fulfilling a role of you know, sad, forgotten ex-girlfriend. So I kind of thought that was an oversight. And then when I got to the halfway point, the whole drama flips. It's all about her and all the gaps get filled out and her character gets fleshed out beautifully. And you realize that it wasn't never an oversight not to focus on her in the first half. It was a really clever manipulation by, I think, a clever writer who did a good job to only tell you half the story and then kind of knock you flat by telling you the other half of the story. Um, So the drama is contemporary. Uh, So it's set, you know, now or in 2016 when it was, um, when it was filmed. Uh, But it, I would call it a fantasy, a fantasy contemporary or contemporary romance fantasy is probably what I would call it. It certainly has these elements in it of life and death type magic, like Grim Reaper type magic, which I found to be really poignant and very meaningful and moving. This is the kind of show, I mean, I don't know, I can only talk about my own personal experience watching it, but I think I found it very inspiring. It's filled with these really beautiful themes and messages that really are not apparent at the start of it. And you have to watch the whole thing for it to really kind of, um, I guess, solidify what it's trying to tell you. And by the end of it, I felt so just reminded about what's important in life and in the world. And I felt like its message was extremely moving and meaningful. And for a show that I think starts out just like really centering around this total asshole of a dude who's just running around and screaming and kicking shit the whole time, like it's surprisingly deep and yeah, very emotional. Um, I really 
really liked this, as you can probably tell from my rambling. <laughs> okay, so the actors, um, the lead actor is Kim Myung-soo. Um, and so that is also, uh, he's also known as L. Uh, so he's in lots of different dramas. Um, what's the ballerina angel one? I think it's called Angel. <laughs> uh, Angel's Last Mission, Love. So that's the most recent one that I've seen him in. And there's an upcoming um, 2020 drama that he's starring in that I'm really excited about because it is a historical. Um, so I really, really like Elle. Um, I was just thinking of him as L instead of his real name, Kim Myung-soo. Um, I think he's really good. I mean, he's really cute. He has the biggest dimple in the world. And I, I don't know, like, I do remember when I first started, like, watching dramas in Dramaland and he was in stuff. And um, I don't know if he had a great reputation for acting. I don't know if people consider him to, like, overact a little bit. Like, I don't, I find him really good. I have no issue with him. I think I really like him. Um... I wouldn't watch a drama that I wasn't interested in for him, but I'm very, very happy if he gets cast in something that I'm, you know, wanting to see. I think he's really good. Um, so the female lead is played by an actress called Yoon So-hee. Uh, so Yoon So-hee I have seen before as a lead actress in a drama. So she was in a drama called Witch's Love. So that's actually her most recent drama from 2018. So I'm recording this in 2020. So she hasn't been doing anything for the last couple of years. Um, I really, really like this actress. Um, Witch's Love is like this just total fluff fantasy rom-com, you know, contemporary kind of witch magic thing. It's just really cute. It's nothing like unbelievable, but super cute. And she is just adorable and so, so pretty, like really, really lovely. Um, so I really like both of these leads a lot. And I also think they did a really, really good job in this drama. And I just, I think it was really, in hindsight, really clever the way the drama kind of takes Elle's character, spends the first four episodes with him, fleshes him out. You really kind of get to understand him. I didn't really like him at the start, but I do really appreciate it. It's kind of this non-linear storytelling where you're presented with this young man who is just a total douchebag, to be honest. <laughs> He's a horrible dude. And then you slowly fill in these gaps and begin to really understand why he is the way he is and, and how he's managed to get himself so far off course of who he used to be and who the people around him want him to be. And seeing him kind of figure these things out very slowly, mind you, like he really takes a long time to learn anything in this drama. Um, but it's very, very moving. And Yoon So-hee, I just think she's so beautiful. I think she's a very good actress. I just really enjoyed seeing her on the screen. And I have to say, like, as well as the drama being beautiful, like these two actors are so gorgeous. Like, even if you hated the whole show, you could literally just watch it just to see them walking around on your screen like they look amazing so I really enjoyed that I think I just really enjoyed looking at their beautiful faces for the whole thing um and then it turned out the show was amazing I really really liked it um so I guess that's it for me for this kind of overview beginning section um so next up I'll tell you a little bit of the setup of one more time Okay, so the K-drama One More Time really starts off completely centering around Elle's character, who is called Tan. So 
So Tan is 27 years old and he is a musician. He's in this band with his two best friends and his girlfriend, who is the female lead. Um, They've been together for seven years and their relationship is falling apart, basically completely and utterly only because of him. So Tan, you kind of understand, has, I guess, begun as this... um, I was just checking that was actually recording. <laughs> it was. It's fine. <laughs> so he starts off as this very, I want to say like idealistic, you know, like follow your dreams. Like, you know, you can, if you want to be a musician, you can make it. Like, I mean, picking a creative pursuit and pinning your whole livelihood and financial situation on this dream of making it in an industry like that is you know, it's hefty. And I think you've got to be a certain type of person to be brave enough to do that. And he, you know, I guess he's just living his life. He's very, um, very idealistic, I suppose. And then we kind of catch up with him seven years later. And we've seen this young man who believes that he can live the life he wants and enjoy the dreams that he wants and follow his music and be who he wants to be. And we've seen, we can see that he has become bitter and washed up and unbelievably sick of poverty and furious at everyone around him because he hasn't made his life what he wants it to be and he feels like a failure. So he is absolutely disgustingly poisonous towards his girlfriend who is in the band and that's the female lead played by Yoon So-hee whose name in the drama is Diane. So his girlfriend, Diane, is in the band and she, for the first half of the drama, like she's beautiful, but I was like, but who is she? Like, she's just like, I don't know, like almost gets presented as this one note, perfect cookie cutter girlfriend who's just there hovering in the background. You know, she fills up his fridge with delicious food, which he like chucks away and doesn't care about. And she turns up early to his apartment to clean it before he gets there and he doesn't give a shit. And like, so you you just get this feeling that she's just like clinging to something that's disintegrated, which of course we find out is absolutely true later in the drama. But once her storyline gets fully fleshed out and she becomes more than just you know, a too perfect cookie cutter kind of girlfriend who he's rejecting. I think that's when the story just takes on this whole deeper level later on. But at the start, at least, all we see is this young man, Tan, who is just unbelievably cruel to her all the time. Like, and it basically begins on this day. Uh, I think it's like, I don't know, the 5th of October, let's say, (laughs) some sort of date. (laughs) And Tan wakes up in his bed, in his like messy house. And I don't know why, but a piece of bread gets thrown in the window. He gets a call from a salesperson, like all this stuff happens. And he just goes about his day and halfway through, you just, he hates everything. He hates his life. He hates not having enough money. He hates himself. He walks past his dad who works like in a little, um, like a food store. He clearly hates his dad. He hates the fact that his dad works there. Like he's just so bitter. He has absolutely forgotten how to enjoy life at all. 
And he certainly does not appreciate his beautiful girlfriend who is doing everything she can for him. So he gets a call that day from, you know, a top sort of music agency and someone who's interested in him, but only him and not the rest of his band. And the condition is that he has to break up with his girlfriend because they want to use his like cool, handsome, dimpled indie boy musician image to like kind of start a kind of a I don't know like a collaboration with some top idol um, to try and like improve her image by giving her like a cool rocker kind of guy to hang out with or some shit I don't know and he's really I want to say he's torn but he's also like not that torn he's he's just got such I guess I want to say like a victim complex like He's blaming everyone else for the way that his life has turned out. And I really didn't love him at the start of this drama, other than the fact that, you know, it's Elle. (laughs) He's super cute. But he's like, he's really such a dick and he's so mean to the people around him, but particularly seeing him be so mean to Diane, who is nothing but, you know, just quiet and docile every time he's so cruel to her, you know, Um, it's very painful to watch. And he's always shouting and kicking and throwing shit and just being like very um, just aggressive all the time. Um, But at the same time that I say that, I didn't think that that was the drama's fault. Like I didn't think it was a bad characterization in terms of writing or acting or anything like that. I felt like he was just playing a mean dude and Elle was doing a good job at it and the writers were doing a good job of making me not really sympathize hugely with this guy. But at the same time as I was like, I'm not really on your side, Tan, you're a dickhead. I was also, I did have understanding for a situation and that's where I think the show did a really good job of, you know, I get that feeling. Um, and I feel like I've been through it myself. I don't feel like I blamed everyone else in the whole world about it, (laughs) but I do think it's such a common thing, particularly, you know, when you're young in your teens or even younger than that, there is this thing that people will be like, what's your dream? Like, what's your dream in life? What do you want to be? And then you can say any outlandish thing, like, I don't know, I want to be Beyonce, (laughs) say. I never said that, by the way. (laughs) That was random. And probably a lot of times those adults are going to say, you know, if you believe in it, you can do it. Like you can achieve anything you want to, like dreams come true. And the truth is that sometimes they do, but sometimes they don't. Sometimes you can work really, really, really hard for something doggedly for years and try your best. And sometimes things don't work out the way that you hope they do. And that is so sad, but it is a fact of life that happens. And I felt like I could really understand, even though I didn't like Tan, I could understand why he's so bitter and why he doesn't want to take responsibility for the fact that essentially he feels like a failure. He feels like he hasn't that he's not living the life that he was meant to live. Um, So that was, it was interesting, I think. Um, And I did really understand him. And you see, you know, that he's in debt. He's got some really serious financial problems. And I think, again, once you bring money into something like that, the pressure and the stress of it is so extreme. So even though I didn't like his shitty behavior, I did get it. 
Um, and so what happens is, you know, he goes through his whole day and he kind of, he rejects his band. He breaks up with his girlfriend. He goes to like a party with this, you know, the manager woman from this big place and, you know, just gets really drunk and then goes home and then the next day wakes up and it's the same day. So of course, you know, at first he doesn't really notice. He's kind of weird about it. He goes through his whole day and he figures it out and he's just like going crazy. He's like, what the fuck? This is pretty fucking weird. And then it repeats again and it repeats again and repeats again. And Tan's first reaction to this repeat, once he realizes that it's really happening, is to go fucking wild. And this means like, saying anything he wants, which generally means being even crueler to the people around him that love him. So breaking up with his girlfriend in even more callous and mean ways, getting rid of his band, saying they're all shit, um, you know, going and joining this big agency, like totally hitting on like the agency woman um, and like sleeping with her, getting with the pop star and sleeping with her. Like it's all really despicable, despicable. And I was like, gosh, this guy is such a douche. And he's just living these days over and over and over and just like keeps doing this shit, like just absolutely whatever the fuck he wants, no consequences, which is kind of interesting. I think in a lot of ways, maybe that is what you would do. Like he's obviously got a lot of pent up emotion and this is his opportunity to let loose not in a very like attractive way and so he goes through that kind of stage of this day by day over and over and over again and then eventually he starts you know I guess having done it so many times that he knows how to get a lot of money really quickly by like you know, different gambling, I don't know, casino games or some shit. I don't really know. And he's driving around sports cars and he's just being really cool and living his cool life. And then, of course, eventually he just gets a little bit bored. And when he gets bored and he's tried all those mad things that he wanted to try, like slept with all the women he wanted to sleep with and, you know, spent all the money he wanted to and just done all that kind of stuff and bought all the shit that he wanted. It's when he starts thinking about the people that really matter in his life, which of course has been completely forgotten. But now that he's blown out and done everything else that he wanted to, he begins to remember his friends and he begins to think a little bit uncomfortably about Darn, who, you know, is this really nice girl who's always treated him really nicely, which is something that has infuriated him. But now, little by little, he's beginning to miss it. So I, I felt like all that kind of, kind of, I guess, um, you know, journey that he goes on felt very believable. I didn't love him, <laughs> but it certainly felt true to his character, this kind of journey that he goes on. So finally, after forever, he goes and meets up with Dan, And we kind of realize that each time he meets her in, you know, this repeated day, she's very, very unhappy when he first goes near her. And every single time she fully is waiting for him to break up with her. And just really, she she just knows that it's happening that day, which I thought was really interesting. But I guess, you know, obviously there's been this big lead up of their relationship falling apart. And I think Diane is very, very aware that it's only her clinging on to him that has allowed it maybe to even last as long as it has. Um, so 
he kind of, yeah, I guess he comes back and he starts spending time with her and he misses her and he, you know, assures her like, no, I'm not going to break up with you. And you know, like, (laughs) I think it's such a dickish move because he's kind of like, you know, she's feeling really insecure and he's kind of real swoony. Like, I would never break up with you. I'm going to keep you forever. And I'm like, dude, you've just been sleeping with these other two women. You've broken up with her like 50 times in a row. Like, what a dickhead. (laughs) But then, um, you know, he spends a day with her and he's actually spends a nice day with her and actually begins to remember what they have, I guess, this quieter, small thing that they have that isn't, you know, about throwing around wads of cash or having thousands of people screaming, you know, at them on stage or any of those kind of things. It's this very quiet, small, lovely thing, I think real thing that they have and he's remembering. And then at like 8.23 that night, Dan gets hit by a car and dies in his arms. And he's like, whoa. (laughs) So then of course he wakes up and it's the same day. So immediately he goes and tries to make sure that doesn't happen to Diane. But no matter what he does, every single day, she dies in his arms at the exact same time. So I found this really interesting because obviously Diane has died every single day. But because, you know, Elle's character, Tan, has been ignoring his girlfriend other than breaking up with her every single morning or completely cutting contact with her at all, even though he's lived for I don't know how many days by this point, but like a hell of a lot, um, enough to get really bored by anything he could possibly do, um, you know, he never once even noticed that she's died every single one of these days. It's so intense. Um, But I do think that Tan, you know, I think it's quite amazing to see, I want to say, yeah, his character journey through this show, just because I did dislike him so much at the start, but by the end, I felt very, very differently. But I think what was even more interesting about the writing of this show is that once the halfway point hits and we flip over to Diane's story and her point of view, and we get to see really how they met and how she saw him and you know how their relationship was when it was good before things went sour it's really wonderful to see tan in those early days because it makes you realize who he really is and you kind of realize that it's not a man who's a bad guy learning to appreciate life and be good it's a man who was essentially happy and you know grabbing life you know, trying his best to live well, like he was a good guy and he lost his way and then he finds it again. So it's a really different story than what I think you initially expect, which is just a, you know, anti-hero to hero kind of um, evolution. And really it's something I think much more complex than that. So of course, um, we kind of, the thing I really love about this show actually too, is at first I kind of thought the rules of the world that was created maybe didn't really fully make sense. And I think there's a few like tiny discrepancies, but like actually nothing major. And I think the rules of the world are really well thought out, but you just don't notice it at first. Um, So the reason that Tan has been stuck in this eternal repeat is like completely fleshed out. And this is like, it's so cool. I think I'm going to probably spoil it. So um, heads up. (laughs) So there is this little girl who is also really pretty, this little girl. I really liked her. (laughs) Um, So she walks around this like red trench coat. She has this big kind of like 
mad timepiece, gold timepiece around her neck. And she's a bit sassy and just turns up and sort of harasses Tan every now and then. And like, just, they have a bit of an antagonistic little relationship. And obviously she is, oh, what is she? Like, she says the closest thing to sort of describe what she is, is like a grim reaper. Um, and she is there to take Diane is what you finally realize. She's there to to, to bring Diane wherever Diane's going to go next because every single day she's dying. And obviously once Tan realizes this, he's going to this little girl and he's like, I need to save Diane. What can I do? What can I change? And the little girl's like, you can't fucking change it. It's happening. I'm here to take her every single day at the same time. But we still don't understand why he's repeating this day. And like at first I was like, how are they even going to explain it? And they do. It's so solid and cool, I think, with how it all works out in the end. Um, so yeah, I, I just thought it was really, really cool. Um, so we kind of... I guess we realize from Diane's point of view, we kind of flip back and we see what she was like growing up. And this is where, for me, things just took on a whole different level. So Diane, as a teen, has like a tumor or whatever in her brain, and she knows that she's going to die and that she doesn't have long. So she grows up bitter teased at school like people are unbelievably cruel to her she has no friends she's isolated she knows she has no time so she becomes bitter and angry and resentful she hates everything everyone and just you know, is living this really tough, lonely existence. Her parents, like she's, there's a point where she's trying to throw herself off a bridge and her parents don't even know what to do. They're trying to look after her, but she's so, I want to say, what is it? Nihilistic. Like she can find no joy in anything, not even the fact that her parents love her. And then her parents die. I think it's in what, like a boat crash or something. Oh man, I think it's like the ferry thing. Um, so it's really awful. And this poor girl who is already has no meaning to live, realizes that life can actually get worse. And so she's alone. She has no parents. She has nothing. She's a school student and she doesn't know why she's alive. And through these random circumstances, she comes across Tan, who is maybe like, I think she's 19 at this point. So he's probably like 20. Oh yeah, he'd be 20. Um, so he's out of school. He's, you know, pursuing his musician dreams. And compared to Diane, who is so bleak and unhappy tan is like this sunshine like i don't even know he's just filled with life he is vivid compared to her like he is throwing himself out there he's being brave he's struggling to you know create his dreams from scratch and he's just giving it his all and it's like she meets someone who knows how to live and meeting Tan, who knows how to live, who knows how to enjoy the moments of his life, who has all these, I guess, wants from the future, like he wants to be alive. It just sparks something in her and it changes something in her. And they have a few like little connection moments and just these things. And he just inspires her to want to be alive. Obviously, she likes him. Obviously, he likes her. And it's this spark of possibility of not only love, but also 
I think that he just inspires her to realize that life is bitter if you let it be, but maybe you can do something. Maybe you can just choose to live despite, you know, all the terrible things that you can't control. And I found that really beautiful just because particularly, you know, we know from the beginning of the drama what a complete asshole we thought Tan was. So to see Tan like this, to see him save Diane from herself just through being this like vivid young man who is living his life is just so interesting and inspiring. And it feels kind of this beautiful like reversal because in you know the beginning of the drama even though Diane is very you know she's very depressed and sad because she knows her boyfriend that she loves is about to break up with her you also understand that she enjoys to live that she loves life that she revels in the small moments that Tan has forgotten to care about you know he wants thousands of screaming fans so when he only gets 15 people show up to his show he feels resentful whereas Diane is still at the point where she feels joy that 15 people would want to see her and her band play music she thinks that's incredible and it just is so interesting to see these different worldviews um but also the reversal once we learn more about their past that they've now over these seven years swapped over and they see the world in the way that each other used to um if that makes sense I hope that made sense (laughs) um so I really really liked it um so we see then that as um Diane realizes there's this possibility to love to live for the very first time in her life she thinks she knows how to potentially be happy and of course it's right at that moment that she's going to die because of this sickness that she has this illness and the little girl turns up the grim reaper um which oh i have to say like they meet one time before that when diane is at her lowest and they have the most interesting creepy like conversation about the inevitableness of death it's so like just the fantasy element of that conversation i just thought was so creepy and weird like this little girl on a beach in the night talking to you about dying i was like wow i loved it it was really cool um so anyway you know the grim reaper turns up and um you know diane realizes that it's time for her to die And there's a light shining out of her. I think it's like a cupboard or something. She walks through it into this beautiful field of just endless, you know, golden sunlit grasses. And there's this mad post box, like a huge post box as big as a two-story house, like brightly colored, just sitting there. And it's like, it's dying. It's her memories. It's what makes her her. And it's like fucking empty (laughs) because she hasn't lived. She hasn't tried her best at anything you know she hasn't filled it up she's had no connections or love because she's rejected those things you know her parents did offer her love but she rejected it and she only knows too late that that is what she did so she cries to the groom reaper and she says that she's only just figuring out how to be happy and how to love and she wants time to love this man So she doesn't want to die yet. And the Grim Reaper is very funny because she just acts like nothing touches her. Like she's, you know, doesn't care about human concerns. But at the same time, she really lets these people run around and do things like she's quite lenient on them. So you can tell that she has a lot of empathy, I think. And so when Diane says like to give her time, the Grim Reaper agrees. And the Grim Reaper says that, 
You can live as long as that man loves you. When he stops loving you, that's when I'll come back and take you. And Diane just says straight away, like, okay, like, I understand. I accept that when you come back, you know, I understand that love doesn't always last forever. So when you come back, I'll go with you quietly and I won't chuck a fuss. But my one condition is that Tan must be happy. He has to be happy when I'm gone. So she's just worried about him. And so the Grim Reaper's like, yeah, sure, whatever, cool. So Diane goes back, she gets to live. She goes and sees Tan at his show. He hits on her, they get together. We see a little bit of what their relationship is and it's nice, like it's really nice. She comes back to life, she's happy, he's happy. They really, really adore each other and are very committed to each other and serious. And then in her voiceover, she's like, it didn't last. And then we kind of catch up, you know, seven years later, their relationship has disintegrated because of all the things that he hasn't got out of life that he wanted. He's turned into the biggest dickhead in the world who is so endlessly cruel to her, which is much harder now to watch because we've seen how sweet he was, like what a good man he was and how he saved her through being such a good dude. And he's just turned into such a total raging asshole now. It's just awful. Um, so Diane is crushed, not only because she loves him and he is falling out of love with her before her eyes, but also because she knows what that means. It means she's going to die. As soon as he doesn't love her anymore, which she can see is happening, she knows that her time on earth is over. And she accepts it, but it's so painful. I felt so sad for her, like, but it was so interesting because this is the point where I guessed why he was stuck in this daily loop. And I was just like, whoa, like, cause I totally didn't, I didn't make the connection for such a long time. And then eventually I realized he's stuck in this loop because her, um, Diane's bargain with the Grim Reaper was that he had to be happy for her to leave like not happy that she's gonna go but she would only go if he would be happy like going forward in his life and the grim reaper is kind of saying to tan when tan realizes it that it's a complete contradiction of course he's not happy not only is you know he broken up with his girlfriend but his girlfriend's died it's gonna be one of the worst days of his life so therefore he's never happy so therefore he's stuck in this eternal loop um, so it was just really cleverly written and I love the way the information was released throughout the show because it was like the lore of the world just kept getting wider and more complex but also filled in all the gaps and was so like solidly written that it made so much sense. But on top of that, I think just the way the themes of the story come through Um the show at the start is kind of bombastic and crazy and all that kind of stuff and shouty and mental. And then the second half just gets into this, like it fills in all the gaps with emotions to the point where everything felt so meaningful, you know, like Tan slowly realizing what Diane has done for him, what she's been through in her life, what it means that he's fallen out of love with her and now what it means that he he needs her back in his life and he realizes that he loves her more than anything else and realizes that his most happy moments were, 
you know, these quiet times where they did nothing together, boring times where they sat, you know, side by side on a platform on the roof or, you know, just these really quiet, small things. And it's one of those just lovely emotional themes, I think, that you know, I know those things. I know that those things are important. It's one of those things that you can know, but it's so lovely to get reminded of how important the small moments in life are and how much more important those small moments are than, you know, loads of money and all the things that are so often deemed important in the societies that we live in. And I really loved being reminded of that but also not just being told that, being shown that in this really moving love story that like made me tear up. It was so moving and I so wanted them to be happy at the end. Um, so yeah, I just found it, I think I just keep coming back to the word su surprising. Um, this show was not what I expected. It was so much more and it's so much more than it presents itself as for like the first I don't know fucking four episodes I guess where it's just this kind of groundhog day repeat and then yeah then it just opens up into something completely different so that was a lot about the setup um there's you know I think there's more to say like there's there's these themes about you know, like, oh, if you wipe your memory, um, you can be happy because you never know what you lost. And I think this is such an interesting theme because if you've loved someone and then, you know, their passing is such a fucking hard thing to go through that it almost bypasses in your mind the happy moments that you spent with that person. Every time you think of them, sometimes you only think about the unhappy things. And I guess that's the point where you can be like, wow, if only, you know, all of it was wiped away or something. And it's just that reminder of like, no, like life is sweet and it is bitter, but it's only through having both of those sides that you can appreciate the sweetness, I think, in your life to, you know, steal, I guess, a theme from Itaewon class. <laughs> oh, I get all my like um, good positive outlooks on life from drama. <laughs> I don't know. I found it really moving. Just these, yeah, riffs about, love and memory and the small moments in life and like what is really more important than that you know than than any of that I just thought it was really really beautiful <laughs> so for a very short drama I clearly have a lot to say <laughs> so here's um just some of the things that I think I loved um so as I mentioned at the start I think it's got a great atmosphere I think it's shot well aesthetically it looks beautiful I think the way it's edited is really nice I liked all the cl real close cut um like shaky cam stuff I felt like it was really creates this very romantic kind of atmosphere to the show so I really liked that um, I really, I just, I liked that it was so much deeper than I expected. Um, it was really a lot more and more meaningful and it had more to say, um, which I think it does really, really well in such a short runtime, which I think is really impressive. Um, what else? I really liked mm, the writing, but that really just runs back into, you know, the themes and what it was trying to say. Um, I really liked Elle in this, like he's such a raging asshole in it, like he's terrible, but I think he does well and um, he, you know, has dimples, he's very cute. <laughs> um, but I did really like him and I liked the evolution of his character because 
I hated him and then by the end I wanted them to be together so badly. <laughs> it hurt my heart. Um, I absolutely loved Yoon So He. I would love to see her in more stuff. I would love to see her in a historical. I just think she's gorgeous and I think she's great. She has a good voice when she speaks and she's beautiful. I really liked her. I've written the word surprising, but I already said that. The show's surprising. Um, I also said that it's inspiring. Um, you know, like I said, it's one of these things you know. You know that you should appreciate the small moments. You know you should appreciate sunshine on your skin and seeing sunsets and visiting the ocean and spending time with the people that you care about. And you should appreciate the fact that other people care about you. But it's so easy to get caught up in... All the shit you have to do every day and the daily grind and all the scary things in the world and all the, the terrible things that may or may not happen in the future and all that kind of stuff can be so overwhelming. And I think, you know, always, but, you know, maybe in a lot of ways, particularly this year, as I record this in 2020, you know, it's very, very hard not to get caught up in everything that makes life a grind, you know, and of course, financial stuff is one of the worst, most stressful things in the world. And then all of that matters. But at the same time, it doesn't matter as much as those small things. Like those are the things that you live for, I think, you know, to be loved and to love. And I really liked being reminded of these things that I already know, but not just being reminded, but being shown how to feel that in my heart because of this show momentarily, you know, it really made my heart ache in the knowledge that these things it was trying to show me through this drama were true. And I found that very, very, very inspiring. And also, I just think that's so cool that, that a show can be like that, can be so inspiring to me. I thought it was beautiful. Um, so I'm just going to get straight into now the stuff that I didn't love. Um, there actually isn't very much at all. Like, I didn't love Tan, obviously, but I think it works. Like, I don't think that's the show making a mistake. I think that's the show being very purposeful in making this guy horrible and then showing you, you know, the whole story around it. So even though I didn't love him at the start, obviously by the end, I very much so did. Like I mentioned before, I think there's a bit of, particularly at the start for me in the Groundhog Day, like the repeated day setup, I felt like there's a few discrepancies. They didn't really bother me, but I felt like they made it a little bit harder for me to understand than just the smallest things. But it's like on the very first day that Dan does his, uh, Tan does his repeat, you know, he goes to like, um, you know, he joins the agency and then he goes to a party late at night. And then on a different day, he's like already in the studio singing, even though it's the same day. And I'm like, what, how did you manage to do that in one day when you've only just signed the contract like late that afternoon? And I thought you're going to go to the welcome party. So it's like just the dumbest small things that don't matter or like, you know, they're, they're having like um, a gig, they're all playing a gig and it just seems like nighttime and then they're walking around and it's still sunny. So, but like, I mean, it doesn't matter. And I feel like you can't explain away any of those discrepancies if you wanted to, uh, which I did want to. So I did. <laughs> um, so I think the only real true thing that I kind of wish was different was the very, 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 very end. So what happens in the drama is, you know, as a way to break the loop, um, Elle's character Tan loses his memories of dying. 
but quickly realizes that there is this massive gap in his life. And even though he doesn't remember her, he searches and searches in his heart and in his memories to try and find what he's missing. So of course, by doing that, he brings back the memories of Diane, he brings Diane back. And, you know, that idea of getting rid of his memories so that he can be happy and continue, you know, to get out of this loop uh, completely collapses and doesn't work. And he's very happy about it because he just wants to see Diane again. And it's, you know, another moment where he realizes that she is what matters to him. She's the reason, like if she's not there, he can't be happy. Um, and so he spends the day with Diane. He explains everything to her. It's really moving, like mad moving. It's really romantic and swoony and beautiful. And then they kind of, they launch themselves off a, a bungee tower into a lake. And I guess both die together. And I was like, whoa. Um, and I guess Tan's idea is that every single day she's going to die. It's inevitable that Diane will die. And so he decides that they can die together so she doesn't have to die alone. And his idea, which is very, very fucking romantic if you think about it, is if they are stuck in this eternal loop forever, every day he will come to her, he will explain the situation, they will go on a date, and then they'll kill themselves together, which sounds like super melodramatic and shit, but somehow in the drama, even though it's a little bit like it's harsh, it's intense, it's pretty full on, it does fit. Like the there's not really a lot of choice for them at this point um, in the setup of the show. Um, but then it's like he just wakes up the next day and they've lost memories of each other and they're both living separately different lives that are different from the lives they were living. So he's just in his band still. It, I don't know, maybe they're a bit more successful because he has like a more flash apartment, but I don't think it's fully explained why he has like a nicer house and she's like living this super flash life. She's like, um, I can't remember if she's a celloist or yeah, a celloist. And she has like this super rich boyfriend who's clearly trying to marry her and introducing her to his parents. And then she walks off and walks down the street and comes across Tan or Tan probably actually is it Tan probably, but anyway, Tan, uh, comes across him singing this song that in their, I guess at this point, past lives together, she wrote for him to sing. So he has just like, you know, that thing where it's on the tip of your tongue, on the tip of your fingertips, you remember it, but you can't remember it. And he's just gone crazy trying to remember it. So he's able to sing it and she hears it and she recognizes it, but like not really, just from like, in her heart, I guess. And so he comes and immediately tries to hit on her. And she's obviously very interested in him, even though, you know, she's about to get married or whatever. Um, so you can tell that they found each other again. They have no memories of what the past was or what used to be between them. And they've obviously going to have some roadblocks and obstacles because she's, you know, on the pathway to getting married to somebody else. But you can see that they will be happy and they will find each other again. So it's a very hope-filled ending, but and I didn't mind them waking up in these different kind of realities that they've forgotten each other, but what I really wanted from the show, which is just a personal thing, it's definitely not a criticism at all, because it's just very personally, I wanted the moment that they see each other or maybe hear each other's names, I wanted them, their memories to come back. Like I wanted them to know what they had been through for each other. I feel, I don't know, it just felt like that was really important to me for them to 
not just recognize each other in their hearts, but also just to remember what they'd been through because it felt like, you know, it's an epic love story, really, really epic love story. And I I don't know. I just wanted them to remember. But I guess that's just a personal thing. I'd be really interested in, you know, how other people felt about that ending. And if they were completely satisfied, just, you know, they're going to be together. You know, they are. So all I really wanted was a happy ending. So I was very, very, very pleased that that's what they got because I was very worried (laughs) that they wouldn't. The possibility that they wouldn't felt very real. Uh, So anyway, I think that's all I'm going to say, which was plenty. I said a lot considering it's so short. (laughs) So that's um, about the mini drama, K-drama One More Time, which is eight episodes, uh, 30 minutes per episode from 2016, starring Kim Young-soo, also known as Elle, and the actress Yoon So-hee. Should you watch it? Fuck yeah, (laughs) you should watch it. Um, But if you hate the start, Maybe you won't hate the start. Maybe you'll love the start. But if you hate the start, just watch it anyway because it's super short and I think it is worth it. All right, so now it's time for my random thing of the week. This one's, uh, it's not a cheat. (laughs) It's kind of a cheat. It's not really cheap. So I watched a film, a Korean film that I really, really liked. So I wanted to mention it on here, but I have actually kind of like talked about it in detail on my Patreon exclusive podcasts or like I've already covered it I've already talked about it so I'm not going to like go into it again Um, but mainly I just wanted to mention it on here just in case anyone is interested in hearing that there is a film that you can watch if you want to so this was a listener suggestion for me Um, I got an email from Kieran thank you so very much Kieran I had never heard of this movie and I didn't know anything about it Um, so it's from 2005 it's a South Korean film So it's, you know, not super recent and it certainly looks like a little bit older in in the way it looks for sure, like it's aesthetics and stuff, which I actually think, you know, I've talked about in my other review, but or like discussion on it, um, which I think really suits it. But anyway, so the movie's called Blood Rain. Uh, It's from 2005 and it is a full-on detective murder mystery set in the Joseon period uh, in the Joseon kingdom where a detective played by the actor... um, What's his name? Cha Sung Won. So Cha Sung Won is like a detective investigator. He goes out to this mad isolated island, like really wild and creepy and investigates a series of very disturbing crimes. Um, I am mentioning it because I thought it was really good. Um, I don't think it would be for everybody. It's if you like really dark kind of creepy mysteries it's very slow like slow burn um so I think you'd have to be in the right mood for that um I really really liked it I thought it was very creepy and good but it's very much to my taste I really love detective stories I like them when they're dark and creepy and you know set during the Joseon kingdom (laughs) or the Joseon period um so I really liked it but I should also say like it's very 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 gruesome and also I saw some like creepy stuff with animals that I don't know if it looked a little bit too real to me so that was very uncomfortable but other than those things like if that sounds like your kind of jam um the movie is called Blood Rain it's a historical from 2005 I don't mean that it's historical because it's from 2005 (laughs) I meant the movie itself is set in Joseon times Uh, So it actually stars a very young Cha Sung Won and also a very young Ji Sung in kind of more of a side role 
Um, but yeah, if that sounds like your jam, like gruesome, bloody, creepy detective mystery, <laughs> um, then you should check it out. I really, really liked it. Um, I, yeah, I thought it was really cool. <laughs> So now it is time for my something I'm loving this week episode. And I think in line with the K-drama one more time, <laughs> something that I'm loving this week is like small scale, but it's something that makes me personally feel really, really happy. And that's why I guess it's been making me feel good this, this week. Um, so I kind of changed around, you know, I'm lucky enough to have a room in my house that is my writing room. And I, I know how lucky I am to have this. Like I have a desk in it that belonged to my great grandmother who was a writer as well, which I think is very, very cool. Um, and you know, I, I have a little bookshelf, um, in my, in my study as well, but I, I buy a lot of books, like a lot of books. So obviously that was overflowing <laughs> and books are beginning to pile up everywhere. Um, so I got a different bookshelf. I kind of just moved things around in the house. So we had like another massive one in a different room. So lots of swapping and big job, very boring to be honest. But the result is that now um, near my desk, I have a massive, massive bookshelf, which I've been slowly filling with all my absolutely beautiful books, which has been really fun. Um, and I had to kind of move around my whole study room to make it work. Like, you know, you just move one piece of furniture and suddenly everything is wrong and doesn't fit anymore. So I've kind of just changed the positioning of my desk and I put up some massive, crazy, like cool, bright artworks um, on the wall that make me feel really happy. And I'm really excited about how my room feels and I really like it and I'm really enjoying it. And that's something that I've been really, really loving this week and I think feeling really grateful for that I have a space in my house to do the things that I love to do and that that is really cool and I feel really lucky <laughs> so yeah that's it that's for it from me um my something I'm loving this week So this is the part of the show where I talk about my Patreon, which I've got one of those now. <laughs> um, so basically the idea is that anyone who would like to support me on Patreon um, and for the price of a coffee a month or a little bit more if you're feeling generous, um, you can support me in what I do, but also get a few different goodies back in return. So extra podcast episodes. I think I've got two up there now and I'll be doing the third or maybe I've already done three. <laughs> I forgot already. I think I've got three already up there and um, I'm about to do my fourth maybe. Um, so I talk about a lot of movies and stuff in those podcasts and some shows that I don't really get to talk about on this main podcast. Um, and I also just put up little blog posts about what I'm watching and stuff like that. So if that is interesting to you and you would like to support me on Patreon, you can check them out. Patreon, P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com slash Lee Evie. Um, and I do just want to give a massive, massive shout out and huge thank you to those people who have chosen to support me there. I really, really appreciate it. It's very encouraging for me. So those people are Lizzie, Michelle, Arlene, Chai, Catalina, Francis, Jamie, Catherine, Liliana, Marta, and Kerlin. Thank you guys all so, so very much. I super appreciate your support.